This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 392 with Stephanie D'Alfonso. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 392. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Stephanie D'Alfonso is a speaker, coach, hypnotist, and author of Goodbye Anxiety, Hello Freedom. She's been researching holistic, natural, and scientifically proven strategies to calm stress and anxiety for over 20 years. She's hired by people who are determined to create the life of their dreams, but don't know where to start. She helps them to resolve past traumas to clear the way to truly living the life they've always dreamed of. Sharing inspirational empowerment with simple action steps, Stephanie has freed thousands of people from tweens to 82 from their anxiety, their stress, and their fears. I wanted Stephanie to come on here to talk about anxiety because this is something that I struggle with. It's been a lifelong journey. So I'm always really curious when there's experts who can talk to me about this. So basically, this is Stephanie giving me therapy for an hour. So just dive on in with me. Actually, this is a great conversation. I'm so grateful for Stephanie, for her work, for her brilliance, for her patience with me. I had a lot of fun talking to her. I think you're going to learn a lot. I think you're going to find some hope for yourself if you've ever struggled with anxiety or if you've ever just struggled with something from your past that you feel like kind of holds you in its grip. 
Stephanie's going to talk about that. We also touch on things around kids as well and kids and anxiety. And we talk about some of the really simple techniques that you can use on a moment's notice to get immediate results in terms of calming your mind, easing your anxiety, easing your fears, and really kind of getting your nervous system to settle down a little bit so that you can still have a great, powerful, productive day every damn day. So listen in to hear Stephanie share the difference between worry and anxiety and what is normal worry versus abnormal or heightened, simple and quick techniques that you and your kids can use to immediately decrease anxiety, the power of cellular memory and the power of healing your cellular memory to release your traumas and anxiety, how you can change your brain to overcome anxiety, and how to use meditation in a more positive and blissful way. And if you're someone who struggles with meditation, you're going to enjoy this because we talked, I'm like, some people get real stressed out when they think they have to meditate and not think for 15 minutes. So, so much to learn here and so many really practical, actionable things to take away that we can implement starting right away. So I'm very, very excited to introduce you to my friend, Stephanie Delfonso. Stephanie, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Sarah. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I think we're going to have some fun. We are, definitely. I mean, anxiety is so fun, right? (laughs) Well, we can have fun about it while we learn how to calm that part down. Yes, totally. And I have to tell you, when I was going through the show flow for this in anticipation of this conversation, I was thinking, do I make it obvious that I'm asking these questions for my own anxiety? Or- right. <laughs> so right. And I'm so going to put shame- it out there from the get-go. <laughs> my dear, we're shameless moms, right? Yes. Okay. There is, I don't think there should be any kind of a badge of shame regarding right. anxiety because, you know, most of us are dealing with it. Yeah. A recent Gallup poll showed that Americans are among the most stressed in the entire world. Mm. And sadly, women are twice as likely to experience anxiety as men. Yes, yes. And I would argue that moms would be at the top of the list of women. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not to minimize other women, non-moms anxiety, but I just think that it gets exponentially greater when you, as you add more roles in your life. Well, sure, because there's just so many more levels. And, you know, when I was a young mom, this is how I like, started you know, doing what I'm doing now and how I ended up writing the book was because as a young mom, my stress went woo mm-hmm. out the window and I was smashing a bag of Cheetos as my kids were crying, mommy, please stop, because I just lost it. I had gotten mm-hmm. to a point where my anxiety that I didn't know, by the way, didn't know I had been experiencing this my whole life, it blossomed into insomnia. Ooh, that's real fun. Oh, and gosh. like I just snapped at the smallest thing like anything would happen. And so when I found myself losing it on a bag of Cheetos, I was like, oh, I think I need some help here. And I went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, the insomnia is because of the anxiety. And I was like, wait, head snap, what? I honestly, Sarah, I didn't know I had experienced anxiety my whole life because this was all I knew. So, you know, when we are already dealing with this and then we've got all these, these tiny little things, it really ends up being the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yes. Oh my gosh. We're twins, by the way. So I went to... Okay, so were your Cheetos crunchy or the no, puffy ones? No, it wasn't the Cheetos, not the Cheetos, although I've had some things similar to that. But I went to naturopathic doctor for sleep and we were having this long conversation about my sleep history. And she said, at what age did you start being hypervigilant? And I was able to track it back to when I was eight years old. And she was basically like, okay, so you've had anxiety since you were eight. And I, this was when I was like... 38. And I was like, 
what? And then, I mean, so many pieces of my life came together and I had never made this connection between insomnia and anxiety that I had struggled with literally since I was eight years old. And now I feel so much more powerful that I have it all labeled. And like, it's like these pieces that I can put together rather than feeling like everything's so disjointed and confusing. Exactly. Exactly. First of all, that awareness, that awareness, I think is the biggest thing is we get that awareness and say, Oh, okay. And then when I started researching, so this was back in the mid nineties when I had my Cheetos incident. Mm -hmm. And so back in the mid nineties, there, the worldwide interweb was just coming online and there wasn't any Google. So I'm going to the library trying to find, you know, books or magazines or cassette tapes that talked about this thing called anxiety because, you know, the doctor did what he did. He wrote me a prescription and it worked for a short time and then it stopped. And that's when things just, you know, got even worse because then it's like, oh my gosh, what if I take the medication and it doesn't work? And oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I started researching and really the only research I could find was the biggest relief was it's not your fault that we're still wired the same way we were when we were living in caves and Mm -hmm. that fight or flight syndrome. Well, that was really helpful to get us out of the way of a saber toothed tiger, but it's not so helpful now when we are constantly checking our devices 24 seven, seeing danger, danger, danger. And so every time we'd see, you know, or perceive, imagine danger, we're giving ourselves that shock of cortisol flooding through our body, the stress hormone, and it just keeps building up and building up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we've just dove right into all the things. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) So before we get too deep into anything, I want to get a little bit of clarity around definitions. So in some key terms, so can you explain what anxiety is and what it's not? And then also what's the difference between worry and anxiety, or is there a difference? Because I think that'll help some people identify there's going to be people who listen today that are like, Oh wait, I've had anxiety since I was eight too. Right. Right. And so that awareness, I'm telling you, Sarah, I I think that you felt the same thing as I did was that awareness itself was like, Whew. Okay. Now what can I do about this? Because if you also didn't understand until your mid-30s, because I was in my mid-30s when this happened, it was all I knew, right? That, that in the background, that constant worry. That's where like the worry itself, worry is natural. We're going to worry. But when it becomes a problem is when I would worry about anything and everything. And not just worry, I would always go to the worst case scenario first. Yep. And I just thought this was normal. I thought this was how everybody was. Yeah. And then I figured out, oh no, all right, your husband's on a plane and you're worrying about, oh my gosh, what if it crashes? And then da, 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 da. And other people are like, oh yeah, my husband's on a business trip. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So worry is a natural emotion, but when it gets to be repetitive, when it you know gets to be like, okay, again and again and again, that's when you need to start looking at it. You know, if you're in a burning house and you're not worried to get out, then there's a problem. But when you're worried because the stove is on and you're worrying, thinking, oh my gosh, the entire house is going to burn down. We're not going to have anything. Where are we going to live? You know, that's when you're crossing over from normal worry into excessive worry. And, you know, you really want to start taking a look at it. And anxiety, I think that for me, not knowing what it was, was because it was just what I knew. And a lot of us, have taken that on from our parents because anxious moms have anxious kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) 
Also relatable. Keep going. Right. That just go <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Well, this is another thing that I've recognized through some therapy and through a lot of self-observation is the intergenerational dynamic of this. And I'm looking now at three generations. Right. And the exciting thing is, Sarah, is that we can change it. We can change it for mm-hmm. ourselves. We can change it for our kids. And that to me is what's so exciting. My book literally just birthed out of me. It's been, you know, like over 20 years of research and it was just like it birthed out of me. So there's 35 different techniques and I'm happy to share some with your listeners today so they can get actioning today. Most of the techniques in the book, like the vast majority are simple enough to be able to teach a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. And yet, as a young mom, I know I was always focused on my kids first, my kids first. Whoops, I recognize now in hindsight, I should have been focusing on myself. Like they say on the airplane of, you know, put your oxygen mask mm-hmm. on first, then help others. So for moms who are listening, I would really ask you to start taking some of these techniques and weave them into every day. And then when you start finding some more balance in your life, then you can start bringing them into your kids' awareness as well. Mm -hmm. Something as simple as yawning. Like, go ahead, Sarah, just (sighs) big old yawn. That is actually a stress reduction technique because what happens, whether it's a fake yawn, an involuntary yawn, or whatever, when you yawn, you're stimulating the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in the body. It goes from your brain all the way down into your abdomen and wraps around all of your internal organs, stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and relax nervous system. So how simple is that? Oh my God. Like I just yawned twice and now I'm like, oh, I wish I had a pillow next to me. Right. Right. (laughs) And so when it's short moments, many times during the day, as Mm -hmm. opposed to if I said, and this is how I was introduced to meditation. Well, you know, you have to meditate 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. What busy mom has that time? Exactly. That just adds more anxiety. Now I'm more anxious about my anxiety. (laughs) Right, right. But when it's, oh, okay, I can take these short moments many times through the day and have these remarkable results. Ah, that's total freedom. That is true emotional freedom. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. So I'm curious your thoughts on anxiety versus general general stress and overwhelm. Because I think that probably any mom listening is like, oh yeah, I have anxiety. Like, is this something that most of us have? So I think there's two dynamics. Like we have this maybe because there's a genetic component or we have this because maybe there's a circumstantial component or is there a difference between like general stress and overwhelm and then anxiety is a totally different thing. I think there's gray areas. There's definite overlapping. I mean, when you're going through a stressful, a very stressful, a traumatic event in your life, when you, when you have a medical issue or some, you know, someone in your family has a medical issue, there's a, a death or you know, something like that, yeah, that's going to be incredibly stressful. I have a friend who lost her husband several months ago, and you know, she said, I never experienced anxiety in my life until we started down this road, and thankfully, she found my book very helpful to help her to, again, those short moments many times through the day. She knew her husband was dying. And so she was experiencing anxiety, but it was like, oh, okay, I know that this spikes, I can bring it down by yawning. I can bring it down by doing this thing called crossing the midline. And again, Sarah, this is so simple. If you have a water bottle nearby, just start passing it back and forth from one hand to the other. 
And if your listeners are, as long as you're not driving, you could do this too if you have a water bottle nearby. If not, just take your hands and put them like in prayer palms in front of your heart and swing one hand to the side and back, the other out and back. And keep doing this for a couple of times. And you'll notice a sense of calm start to come over you. And this is because we're crossing the midline of the body, right? I said, keep coming back to right in front of your heart. So we're crossing the midline of the body, but also we're crossing the midline of the brain. So we are balancing both the left side and the right side of the brain. And oh like, gosh. again, so how fascinating is that? So interesting. Like yeah. it's simple, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So we can do, so we can yawn and we can put our, move our hands. So when you say prayer position, you just move it from like left and then back to center, right? And then right, right. And back to center. Okay. Yeah. Just you want to make sure I was doing it right. Yeah. Like how simple is that? Can you teach a six-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But take care of yourself first, mama, please. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how worry contributes to stress. Oh my gosh. It's a snowball. It Mm -hmm. really is a snowball. And it's interesting because now where I am in my life now, and now that I've been practicing all these different techniques for so long, you know, it's not, I'm not going to say I don't ever experience anxiety. It's part of the human experience. What it is, is at first you have that awareness. Oh, all right. I'm not feeling so hot right now. Oh, the second awareness of, 
oh, I can do something about that. Because that's something where a lot of us feel like our emotions are not a choice, but they are. We get to choose whether they run us or we start to take control of them. So the worry, when we don't stop it, it really is like a snowball. It starts at the top of that hill and it's, oh, there's a little bit of worry and then it picks up speed. It's a lot more worry. And then it's, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And always go into that worst case scenario. And I know some of your listeners now are going, wow, I do that. Mm -hmm. Again, I didn't know that that wasn't quote unquote normal. But so when you interrupt it, it's like emptying the stress bucket, those, you know, those short moments, many times, emptying it out again and again throughout the day, instead of letting it fill all the way up until we explode on a bag of Cheetos or we can't sleep at night or, you know, we dive into a half gallon of ice cream or a bottle of wine, you know, whatever it is, when we wait until it's that big, it's so much harder to calm it down. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious if this is relatable to you and maybe it will be to some of our listeners. So I like pretty conscientiously trained myself to worry as a little kid. And this is, so this has required a lot of untraining that I am sometimes more successful with than others. But I remember being a little girl and thinking, if I worry about something, then it won't happen. And so I was constantly on the lookout for things to worry about because then they wouldn't happen. So I should always be worrying about like if my mom dies or if our house gets robbed or like crazy things. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'll just, you know, claim for myself. I grew up in a very dysfunctional household. Mm -hmm. And so that is a very common coping mechanism is because you don't know when the rug's going to get pulled out from under you. Yes. So by being constantly on guard, it's like, it's that illusion and it is an illusion of control Mm -hmm. because, you know, as an eight-year-old, like, okay, if I worry about my mom dying, she's not going to, we, you know, it's an illusion. But it's a safety mechanism. So anybody who's listening and thinks, oh man, and you start judging yourself, take that judgment off. Like take that judging shame badge, just rip it right off and say, oh, I found a way as a young child to cope. Mm -hmm. Yay me. Now as an adult, I'm going to learn better ways to cope. (laughs) Yes. Yes. When we know better, we can do better. Yeah. So I had, my experience was that my parents got divorced and, but they weren't like, and I was only four when it happened, but they weren't parents that fought a lot where like anyone would have seen it coming necessarily. It's just, it happened very abruptly. And my mom out of trying to protect my sister and I really tried to maintain like everything's normal and the same and nothing really happened because she was trying to protect us. But I learned in adulthood and actually I was reading a book by Elizabeth Vargas a couple of years ago and she talked about some childhood trauma and she said, when something like that happens, there's this quick shift and you have in a little kid's brain that you now have this realization that things can happen immediately with no explanation and that you have no control over that can change everything forever. And so once that happens once, then you're like, oh wait, what if this happens again? So you're constantly looking out for that like you said, to have the rug pulled out from, out from under you again. And so I think that for me was a lot of why I became hypervigilant about things was because, and like you mentioned control, if I can worry about all the other things that might happen that I don't see coming, then I'll be able to control it all. Right, exactly. And what's something that's really interesting, Sarah, is that when we have these things that, you know, these mechanisms that we develop in childhood, and they just keep 
they get stronger, they get stronger, they get stronger. It reinforces, reinforces, reinforces. And then we get to adulthood and it's like, you know, what? And, you know, that's when where, you know, my specialty comes in of being able to very gently, very easily go back and find out where that initial trauma is. And sometimes it's going to be the capital T trauma. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's going to be small T traumas where on the surface it looks like, well, you know, what's the big deal? And yet as it gets stronger and stronger and stronger throughout the years, it has turned into this big, big thing. But then when we go back and we heal that traumatic memory, whether it's a capital T trauma or small T trauma, when we heal that, it releases its grip on us. Yeah. I appreciate you pointing out the difference between capital T trauma and small T trauma. And I also would say that there's a lot of what I would consider capital T traumas that are common enough that we treat them like they're not capital T. So my example of divorce, I always thought, well, my parents didn't fight a lot. There was no like big conflict after their divorce or custody battle or anything. And, you know, 50% of people get divorced. So I really minimize that life experience for myself right? because I was like, people go through this all the time. It's not that big of a deal. And it was a pretty clean situation in my circumstances. And so like, who am I to be traumatized by that? Like, it could have been so much worse. (laughs) And yet, right. And yet it is a capital T trauma. Totally. Are you familiar with the ACEs study? Yes, actually just thinking about that. Yeah, so I did an interview. You can dive into it a little bit. We did an interview. It'll be a couple months ago by the time your interview goes live, but we, where we talked about that. And that was actually the first time in looking at that assessment was the first time I was like, oh, wait. I was part of a trauma. Like, right. Because in my right. mind, again, I was like, everyone gets divorced. So right. go ahead and explain that, what right. you meant by that. So just in a nutshell for your listeners, if you don't know about this, <laughs> I was absolutely jumping up and down with joy when this came out. Because again, when I started this research back in the 90s, there really wasn't very much there. And then here comes this groundbreaking study of 17,000 adults. With It's done by the Centers for Disease Control and Kaiser Permanente. So it's a really strong, valid research study. And they asked these people 10 simple questions. Did you experience this before the age of 18? And they talk about abuse, ask about abuse, emotional, physical, sexual abuse. They ask, Sarah, about the loss of a parent. Did you lose a parent Mm -hmm. through divorce or death or incarceration? And these other questions that they asked, and they found that the higher you score on this, the more likely you are to develop diabetes, obesity, depression, heart disease, cancer, stroke, on and on as adults, that if you score four or more, you have double the risk of cancer and stroke as an adult. If you score four or more on this, you are 12 times more likely to attempt suicide as an adult. That's startling. And I'm an overachiever, so guess who scored really high on a quiz you don't (laughs) want to score high on? Right. But so, you know, you can hear that listeners and think, oh my gosh, I'm doomed. But no, no, no. Like I want really want to point out that, okay, this says the higher you score on this, the more likely it is. You can circumvent that by doing work. Right. I mean, knowing it, I think is a huge opportunity. Having that information is not an obstacle. Although I can absolutely see when you get, if you were to score high where you'd think, oh my gosh, I'm doomed. Right. That's not the obstacle. Knowing it is actually the opportunity because like you said, now you can be preventative toward those things, knowing that you have the potential to be higher risk. How can you circumvent that? 
Right. And then you can truly, and I love this part of your mission, live the life of your dreams, yeah. right? We have, it's so fascinating to me because I think we have 30 billion cells in our body. Every seven years, every cell has been replicated. So there is not one cell in your body currently that was in your seven-year-old body. And yet, what did you say? It was four when your parents got divorced. Yeah. So no cells from your four-year-old body are in your current body. And yet that cellular memory got transferred. It lived on. So when we go crazy to think about that, I'm right. Like, it's funny. you like, you hear those kinds of things. Like every cell replaces itself. I've heard that many times. I've never thought of it from that point of view. Well, yeah. most people don't because, you know, I'm just, that's where my focus is, is, you know, Oh, okay. The cellular memory. I would like, okay, let's go heal that. And then it doesn't create amnesia. This is what one of the really fascinating things about this work that I do is that it doesn't create amnesia right? So it's not like, oh, okay, I don't know that my parents got divorced when I was four years old, or I don't remember that I was molested by my father when I was four years old. That memory is still there, but it no longer holds the charge. That's what's absolutely freeing and so exciting to me. And so talk about the freeing of the cellular memory. So it's absolutely and you can't do this for yourself. I couldn't do it for myself. I've worked with amazing healers and coaches to, you know, heal my traumatic wounds and memories. But once you get free of it, you know, so I've got all the, I have, you know, I have a list of things I could, could run through saying, well, I experienced this and this and this. And it's like, yeah, I can tell you about it. And it doesn't have any kind of a grip on me. That to me is true emotional freedom. When it's like, okay, yeah, you know what? I had a childhood and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. That's total freedom to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if we have anxiety, are our kids more likely to have it as well? Sad but true? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and, and so, I, I, I totally see this in my son. So this is and not, so, that was not a surprising answer to me. All right. So and first of all, how old is he? He is just turned seven. Okay. And so the great news is is I know a lot of your listeners just put that shame badge back on. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm doing this to my kid. Come on, let's rip the shame badge off again and say, wow, now I know this. And so the best thing that you can do is take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And the children will start responding in a slightly different way, even though they don't know what mom's doing. Mm -hmm. When you start coming from a calmer place, they're going to come from a calmer place. How many times have you had an experience, Sarah, where, you know, ah, you're going at it and he's going at it and it's back and forth, back and forth. And then just imagine what if he's losing it and instead of you losing it back or on him or on the, the bag of Cheetos, what if instead you decided to do one of the techniques and you came from a much calmer place of, okay, now let me see, how can I respond to this? It's going to naturally have him come into a different space as well. Right, right. It's also interesting to me and not, I do not do things perfectly by any means, but one of the things I feel like I am more patient with my child than I am with anyone else in my life. And he he is a highly emotional child who holds his emotions inside, which is very challenging for me because I'm like, just tell me your feelings. I want to make it better. (laughs) And like, let's just sit and cry together and it'll be fine. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. So what's interesting to me is 
having this awareness of him being anxious from a really young age and me trying to be like, really give a lot of space for that and make that really be okay. And he's an only child. So I feel like I have the ability to give extra space and extra patience with him. And yet I still see him as this worrier little boy that I was as a little girl, although he has, to my knowledge, experienced no trauma and led a very privileged life to date. And so it's really interesting to me to see that kind of in spite of having a pretty great life. This is still showing up for him. And that, so that genetic component is definitely something that I see. The genetic component, but also Sarah, you know, my kids are grown and flown now. So my kids didn't have to worry about doing active shooter drills in the schools. Yes. And so my, my husband the other day was actually like, my son doesn't really have unsupervised use of tablets or anything, but he grabbed an iPad the other day to use this robot app thing that he was playing with. And he somehow swiped over to the a news app that we didn't even know was on the iPad. And he's like, oh, there's wildfires in California. And my husband was like, oh my God, we he cannot have like news access. <laughs> like that's right. the last thing this child needs. So yeah, you're absolutely right that there is information out there and there is these things that they're exposed to that we were not exposed to. And so I totally agree that he's going to find things to worry about. Yeah. So one of the things that that keeps coming into my mind for you, Sarah, is I'm real big into essential oils. Like essential Mm -hmm. oils are my healthcare, physical, emotional, spiritual. If you were to diffuse like even just lavender in your home, you know, lavender is very calming. If you were to diffuse that in the home, that would naturally help him to calm a little bit. I had this beautiful little eight-year-old boy years ago when I still had my in-person hypnosis practice. Mm. The school, the teacher was bouncing around the alphabet soup and mom was like, you know, I don't want to go down that route. You know, is there something you can do to help? And so he came into my office and boy, talk about it. Very active child. He was banging the chair, rocking back and forth and it was lifting up off the floor and banging back down. Quite active. And so I had him smell some lemon essential oil and I think we put some on the bottom of his feet because when you put the oils on the bottom of the feet, they're the biggest pores in your body. So they get absorbed into your bloodstream really fast. And lemon essential oil is the oil of focus. And so I had him do this with the lemon essential oil and I taught him a very simple self-soothing technique. And you and your listeners, as long as you're not driving, you know, please do it with me. Just take one of your fingers from the top of your forehead, gently down to the tip of your nose and do that a couple of times and notice how, oh, that's so soothing. I used to do this to my son when he was little, when he was putting him down for a nap. (laughs) And so you do this to dogs and cats and you just watch them melt. Supposedly, this is how you hypnotize a chicken. I can't say I've ever hypnotized a chicken, but I've been told that this is how you hypnotize a chicken. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. 
And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. But so inside of five minutes, this little eight-year-old boy went from, you know, bang and bang and banging to curled up under the blanket in this chair, sucking his thumb. And mom was sitting on the couch with tears streaming down her face. Oh my gosh. Because it was that simple. Yeah. Right. That simple. And what happens when an eight-year-old child is being labeled and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then, oh, okay, here's a way for you to be in control and feel calm, feel the way you want to. That just changed that kid's whole trajectory of his life. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how anxiety shows up differently in kids than in adults, or does it show up differently? Well, you know, again, it's, um, you know, kids are going to be more out apt to have, you know, the outbursts, you know, as mm-hmm. adults, we, we try really hard to hold it in. And, you know, so we, you see it. And even in your son, if he doesn't want to talk about it, he's already trying to hold it in. And so what you can do is, again, I really would stress, you know, make it a part of your practice first and then introduce it into the family that, oh, okay, let's, before we go to school this morning, before we leave, let's start a little gratitude practice, right? You can have a little gratitude jar that you keep in the kitchen and every day, even if it's just on a little scrap paper, write something that you're grateful for. Because again, when you start it, when you're doing the gratitude practice in the morning, you're starting your foundation that way. And when you train your brain to look for the positive and you start experiencing gratitude, when you experience gratitude, you are producing dopamine and serotonin in your brain, which are the happy hormones. So you can do this with your children starting in the morning. Okay, before we go to school, let's write real quick, what are we grateful for? Oh, I'm grateful that I'm going to get cupcakes in school today or, you know, whatever it may be. But to start bringing them into the family instead of, you know, okay, well, you're experiencing anxiety. Let me teach you how to do this. (laughs) Right, right. Right? It's like, oh, okay. As a family, we can do this. Hey, Mm -hmm. you know what? I learned this thing. Here's a tennis ball. Just toss it back and forth from hand to hand. And wow, notice how that feels, right? So doing it in a playful way instead of there's something wrong with you. Let me teach you how to fix it. Right. So two things that come to mind, we do with my son, we'll do 
at bedtime will do either, he gets to pick either gratitude or big feelings. And so he'll talk about, because for a long time, I was just trying to make him talk about big feelings. I was like, what big (laughs) feelings did you have today? And if he actually had big feelings, he'd be like, I don't want to talk about it. So then we started talking about gratitude. So now I'll give him a choice. I'll say like, do you want to talk about big feelings you had today? Or do you want to talk about something you're grateful for? And he'll pick, which is really nice. And so now he's kind of in that habit at bedtime of doing, you know, one or the other at least. And then another thing that's been really cool that might be helpful for listeners is I do a morning practice every morning. And so I get up, I go downstairs, I get in my cozy blanket with my cup of coffee on the couch and I do some journaling. Sometimes I'll get out my laptop and do a little bit of like work stuff as well. But my son knows like this is quiet time. And then I go from that into doing a workout and he, this has been going on as much of his life as he can remember. And now what's happening is he'll come to me and he'll bring a book over or he'll bring a notebook over. Like this morning, he was like, I'm going to color you a Halloween picture because today's Halloween. So he sat next to me and he often does sit next to me and he'll do some sort of quote unquote morning routine while I do mine. And so now he's in this habit of like, when he gets up, he knows like we come to the couch, we do something that's like an independent activity. And right now for him, it's not like set your goals and intentions for the day is like it might be for me, but he is in this kind of grounded practice of like, we get up, we have quiet time for him. It's turning more and more into like creative time where he's either writing, coloring, drawing, reading sometimes. And I think that's really helpful. And so I'm actually looking into just recently, I was like, I should just get him a kid's journal. And I actually have a client who's in the process of creating a kid's daily journal. So I'm excited about that because I think that he's getting to be old enough now where he might want some journal prompts in the morning and might really thrive with that. Yeah. And kudos to you on two counts, like big, big, big kudos to you. You should be patting yourself on the back right now. First of all, you (laughs) give him the choice at night. All right. What was it? Big emotions or gratitude? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Giving him that choice, like, Kudos. That's absolutely brilliant. And also kudos and absolutely brilliant that you are modeling for him in the mornings. That is the best gift that we can give our kids. When we are anxious and we have anxious kids, the best thing we can do is, again, put that oxygen mask on, take care of ourselves and model it for them. Not saying, okay, this is what I'm doing, so you have to do it. It's just modeling it. You go ahead and you're doing this and, oh, he comes in and joins you. You know, you're giving him permission mission to join you or not. And that like, sorry, I had to just clap out loud. That was brilliant, Sarah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take any parenting when I can get. Right. So, I got it. I told, yeah. No. And I think that, yeah, I think that, and I totally agree with you about, you know, prioritizing our own self-care first. And also I want to point out, and this is something I've been talking about more and more recently is self-care as a discipline that like, there's no morning where I'm like, can't wait to get out of bed super early before everyone else in my household to take care of myself. But also I know that if I don't do that, the impact to myself, my mental health, my family's mental health, like all of it, it's too significant. So self-care is a discipline where you have to look at what are the things that work for you and then be disciplined enough to do them. And it's not just about like, you know, getting, taking bubble baths and getting manicures, although that can be part of it, but it really is like for me to manage anxiety, I have to be really conscientious about how I start my day and how I manage my energy and how, you know, specifically because I wake up with anxiety. Like I wake up with this pit in my stomach around like, oh my gosh, what do I have to do? Okay. Um, so can I give you a little invitation? I don't, yes. I don't tell people what to do. I always extend the invitations. Invite away. So there is a little state right before we drift off to sleep. And again, right when we first wake up called the hypnagogic state. 
And what it means is in that moment, those moments when you're drifting off, those moments when you first wake up, you're in a state identical to hypnosis. And so that is a prime opportunity to prime your mind that as you're going to sleep, you're going to sleep peacefully, restfully, you're going to wake up feeling refreshed, awake and alert. And then when you wake up, instead of immediately going to that, I'm feeling it already, the, oh, let me come to my breath. Oh, this feels good. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. I'm so grateful I had a good night's sleep or whatever the gratitude is. But those two little states are so powerful. Like it's really, you can just like, it's turbocharging what you want to have happen. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, I'm going to practice that. <laughs> and so practice it for, for seven days and then notice now that's become a routine for you and notice how it brings more balance into your day. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I do often practice things like that at night, but not so much in the morning. <laughs> well, but now you will begin. <laughs> now I know. Now I know. So well, how that's can it. we... Go ahead. I was just going to say, the awareness is really the biggest piece because once we have the awareness, then we can make the choice of, oh, do I just keep going on autopilot into these old habits, these you know, well-worn grooves, or do I start making a change and choose mm-hmm. to up, oh, take a breath and then respond instead of react, react, react? Right, right. So talk a little bit about the brain. Can we change our brains to overcome anxiety? Yes, we can. And it's Oh yeah, so- I was hoping you'd say yes. <laughs> yes. It's so exciting because it used to be the thinking used to be that, you know, you got to be whatever age they said it was, and that was it. Your brain was static and there was no changing it. But they've been doing so much incredible neuroscience that's showing that we actually can change our brains. We can, I just saw a study in Inc. Magazine showing, again, this was not the first one, but talking about how they've proven that they were focusing on meditation, but that meditation decreases stress, anxiety, and depression. It reduces pain and insomnia and increases the quality of life. We can actually increase our gray matter while we're shrinking the amygdala. And that is where our lovely friend anxiety lives. That's that fight or flight syndrome. And so again, they're talking about, you know, mindfulness meditation, but really the way that I look at this is again, when you hear meditation, I think they talked about, you know, like 40 to 45 minutes a day, but then there was other people 15 to 20 minutes a day, but then in eight weeks, just eight weeks, they were able to change the brains. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Do you have a minimum for, because I'm thinking about busy moms, do you have a minimum for how long one should meditate for it to be effective? So I don't like the word should because I want you to stop shooting on yourself (laughs) and think about if I really want to, I can, Mm -hmm. maybe you start with three minutes. Okay. Okay. So a short amount of time can still be really beneficial. Yes, because if I say, okay, you've got to meditate 20 minutes in the morning, you're not going to do it. Right, exactly. Right? But if you can find three minutes, and there are so many free apps that you can put on your phone now, mm-hmm. where my favorite is Insight Timer. And ooh, you I can, haven't heard of that one. Ooh, I have, a, um, I have a meditation on there, a 61-point guided meditation. It's my husband's favorite. He says that's the favorite one I've done. And it's free. There's a free and a paid app version of the app. But okay. even that free version, it, thousands and thousands and thousands of 
guided meditations, there's music, there's nature sounds. So you can go and customize for what you want. You've got under five minutes, you put that in, here are your choices. Mm -hmm. You want to go for 20 minutes, here are your choices. But if busy moms are not doing any kind of meditation, start small. I would suggest you try to do it every day because you're going to build the habit, you know, much more quickly if you're doing it every day as opposed to three times a week. But if that's what you can commit to, if you said today, right now, oh, I'm listening to them and I'm thinking, maybe I want to try this, then I would say set yourself up for success instead of, I'm going to meditate every day for the next seven days. Chances are that's not going to happen. However, if you say, okay, I'm going to commit to doing five minutes of meditation three or more times in the coming week. Well, three times we can, most of us can take five minutes, three times in a week, right? Right. So that's very achievable. And notice I put or more because then you might get three in and go, wow, you know what? This feels really good. You might do another one or maybe another two. And then now you've gone look past in the past seven days. Wow. I meditated three, four, five times. Wow. That feels good. I want to do it more. So it's just like we do with our kids. We don't, you know, like hold the high bar up so high that there's no way they can even touch it, let alone jump over it. We want to set the bar low enough that we can get over it and have some achievement. And then like, oh, okay, I want to do more of that. Right. Well, and then it's reinforcing too. Exactly. When you see the result or get results. (laughs) Well, yeah, and you do feel the results because even just taking three minutes, even just taking, this is, I love this. Sarah, if you would right now, stop. I know you're going to be, your skin's going to be crawling because we're going to have 10 (laughs) seconds of dead air, but I want you to just stop for 10 seconds. Okay. And that was probably the longest 10 seconds of your life. Yes. It wasn't bad. (laughs) You have a very soothing voice. So I could go into it pretty quickly. Go ahead. Thank you. But I also, I understand what you were saying of like where that could be really hard. Right. And so when I first heard this, oh, I don't know, 10 years or so ago, I was listening to an interview with Neil Donald Walsh, who, if your listeners don't know, he's a spiritual guru, somebody that I follow. And he was being interviewed by this woman. And this was one of the things he said, instead of doing these long chunks of meditation, just so-and-so just stop for 10 seconds mm, and she wasn't yeah. hearing him. She, he's, he's asking her to stop for 10 seconds and she's going, Oh yeah, well, you know, and going on and he's like, Oh, wait, 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 so-and-so just stop for 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And she would jump right in and his whole premise was just stop for 10 seconds at various points during the day. Again, it's those short moments many times that add up and you can still get the great results instead of having to take 20 minutes uninterrupted, which many busy moms don't have. Exactly. What was the name of the meditation app? Because I want to make sure I put it in the show notes. Insight Timer. Okay. Insight. That's what I thought. Okay. Oh, so good. And if I can just make the point for anybody who's like not really sure about meditation or never experienced it, meditation does not mean empty your mind. You Mm. tell me to empty my mind and my conscious mind just brought in 5,000 things to think about. And for a person with anxiety, it's like anxiety invoking to say, just don't think about anything, clear your mind. And every time a thought comes in, push it out. (laughs) Right. Right. And so I would encourage anybody who wants to explore meditation to just be like, oh, okay. So it's like a two-year-old 
running away. You don't you know, grab onto it. You just say, oh, come back over here. So if you start a meditation practice and you find your mind wandering, which it will, like mm-hmm. I guarantee it yes. will, yeah. you just notice it. And without judging yourself like, oh man, I did it wrong. Just bring yourself back to your breath or to, you know, if you're listening to a guided meditation, just bring your awareness back to that and know that this is going to happen again and again and again. My meditation mentor said to me, when I was like, well, you know, when am I going to get this right? She said, we're just looking for eight seconds of bliss. I was like, oh, okay, eight seconds. I think I can do that. (laughs) Yeah. And that sounds desirable too, rather than like, you need to sit still for 30 minutes and push all thoughts out of your mind, which sounds really hard. Eight seconds of bliss is very desirable in comparison. Yes, very much so. Which I love that. Okay. So before we wrap up, anything else you want to share with listeners and like any parting words around anxiety, moms with anxiety, kids with anxiety, anything else? So the first thing I would say is please try to be less judgmental with yourself. Mm, we are, yes. we judge ourselves harsher More than grace. any, yes, we judge ourselves harsher than anybody else in the world. We say things to ourselves we would never say to another human being. So you know, start trying to be less judgmental. Notice I'm not saying stop being judgmental because that's just going to push your buttons, right? Oh, notice I'm being judgmental. Let me back off on that. And take some of the techniques that we shared today. You go to my website and you can get five of the techniques for my book for free. Just start where you are and start playing with two or three of the techniques each and every day for the next seven days. If you can buddy up with a friend, listen to this podcast and say, hey, let's do this together. That accountability is going to help you so much. And just start, start small, weave these in through every single day. And I guarantee you in seven days, you're going to notice a difference. Yes. I love it. Can you tell us where we can connect with you, where we can find your book and all those kinds of good things? Excellent. Thank you. So my website is my name. Hopefully you'll put it in the show notes because yes, who knows definitely. how to spell <laughs> stephaniedelfonso.com. But you can go there and find out all the info. Also get the five techniques for free. Also, I'm on all social media, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And so just start where you are. And remember, oxygen mask on you, mama. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we will link up your website in the show notes and social media and everything. Spelling of your last name, just for people who who are dying to pop over there right now. (laughs) It's D as in David, A-L-F like Frank, O-N, Z like zebra, O, Delfonso. And my book is available on Amazon, paperback and Kindle. And for every paperback sold, I donate one to a school or organization that will teach these kids, teach these skills to kids. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so awesome. Oh, Stephanie, this has been so great. I so appreciate you being here. I have learned a lot. Thank you for my own personal therapy session. (laughs) I've learned a lot and I really, really appreciate it. This was fabulous, Sarah. I feel like we could just talk for hours and hours. Oh, I know. Thank you so very much for the opportunity. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. And the next book you write, you got to come back. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash 
Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking